0: I'm Tommy Beardmore. I'm Adam DiCarlo.
1: And welcome to Before the Break, a podcast for actors by actors. Brought to you by Working Actor Pro.
0: Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of Before the Break. This week, we're so excited to meet our guest on the small screen. You've seen her on Law & Order SVU. On stage, she's appeared in the national tours of Wicked and American Idiot. On Broadway, she's been in Natasha Pierre and the Great Comet of 1812. Beautiful, the Carol King musical, and can currently be seen in the Tony Award winning Paradise Square. Please welcome to the show, Kennedy Coggle.
2: Hi. Hi, Kennedy. Hi, Hello. Kennedy.
0: Thanks
1: for being here. Thank you
2: for joining us. It's great to be here.
1: We, um, I, I know you, Adam. I think I don't. I think you're meeting Kennedy for the first time. But uh, I before am. the show, we mentioned that you and I share the same manager. Do you, do you have the same manager as you did, Mike and Rich?
2: Uh, I do not okay, do not. so
1: so years ago, that's I think how we were in the same. There was probably some talk back thing at a bar or like maybe it was through emails or something, but i I definitely recognized you, and then once these shows started happening for you, things were really picking up. Um I just was so happy to see somebody like you do so well. I know that you know, Rich and Mike have always said wonderful things about their clients and in particular you, so um, so welcome. I'm so glad that you're here. We're gonna. Talk about a bunch of stuff, but let's start how we always do um early childhood, where you're from uh when the seed was planted and all that jazz so
2: when oh was the, when was well, the
1: earliest back. when was the earliest um exposure i suppose to the seed planting
2: <laughs> that sounds so dirty right um, <laughs> let's see earliest exposure to theater i you know I can always harken it back to um the story. So, my mom has always been a fan of Broadway. And she took my older sister and I, who is also in the business, she also does Broadway and everything oh, oh, under yeah. the sun. How yeah, about that? Wow. I didn't
1: know that one. Right.
2: Siblings, siblings in the business. It oh, happens. Oh, we're going to talk about that.
1: Oh, baby, we're going to talk about that. You're like a okay, no
0: performer. She works in the merch booth, but she's still on <laughs>
1: right. She sells my t shirts.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Terrible. <laughs> Honestly, Dinners it's are family weird. Family business. But, yeah. <laughs> No, she she does she's performed on Broadway. She's currently out there in St. Louis doing Karate Kid. So Oh, good. Hey, how
0: about that? Yeah. That's she's awesome. Phenomenal musical.
2: Yes, awesome. yes. All right,
0: right so when
1: you, when you said that you were kind of into it, I doubt that uh, the reception was
0: negative.
2: Right, right, exactly. <laughs> yeah, she, she was, was like, like, "Thank well. God." Yes.
0: <laughs> Your it mom continues. was like, "If you don't make it to Broadway, there'll <laughs> like, be hell to pay."
2: Could you imagine? Could you imagine? Kind of if like if you're gonna
0: do it, you have to go all the way.
2: <laughs>
1: yeah, what, you're de- what's
2: that movie Mother Dearest? Mommy Dearest?
1: <laughs> mommy Dearest, yeah.
2: <laughs> no, it's that would be hilarious. It's like mommy dearest, but just kind of like mommy dearest meets gypsy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, no, so actually, it was. My cool mom with is them. one of the most anti-stage moms you'll ever meet. She's oh lovely. But um, yeah, so she took us both to New York City, and during that trip, I think I was seven. Annie was playing on Broadway at the time, and it was the one musical that we went to go see, obviously, because we were young girls. And so she's like, well, young girls, Annie, why not? Um, And she tells this story. I don't remember it. I remember little bits and flashes of the musical, but I was completely entranced. She she was drunk. Yeah, she was drunk on, you know. (laughs) She's going to kill me because... Alcohol has never touched this woman's lips, I'm pretty sure, except for maybe a, <laughs> an occasional champagne, but sorry, Who, you, Wait,
1: yours? No, 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 yours. I was saying you said oh, you yeah. didn't remember, and I said you were drunk.
2: Oh, my God. But seven you weren't drunk. She wasn't wasted. drinking. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, it was a great time, Broadway, being seven years old and wasted. uh, um, bless. So, <laughs> uh, but she says that I turned to her at intermission and said, I can do that. I want to do that. And then oh, I yeah. never looked back. I could say I could tell you that I never look back, but there was a brief interim when I was 14 years old where I was contemplating become a veterinarian, and then I saw Wicked on Broadway, and I was like, "Well, no, okay. I think I want to perform." But yeah, there'll Annie, be other
0: people that take care of those dogs, I <laughs> do <that.
2: laughs> right? And so Annie, Annie is the culprit. Annie and then myself. Wicked
1: really sealed the deal.
2: Yeah, you know.
1: You know that's amazing, and and I always uh, I just love. I love recording these episodes because you get these stories. And this is, we, we've seen it all before, Adam. These stories where you're a kid, you're eight years old, 10 years old, whatever, intermission comes, or the end of the show, they look to their parents and they say, I'm going to do that. And then in 15 or 20 years, it's a reality, you know? Like, Hi. it's such a powerful moment when a child, like, has that light bulb on because that light bulb stays forever. I mean, it's just, it's on. And we are very, very similar to who we were when we were kids. And I thought that I was nothing like I was when I was a kid, but I recently moved to my first house. And that means I take everything from my parents' attic into my house. Like all the stuff that you said, I'm going to save that for my house when I get my own house, you know, the the files and the graded papers and the, all that stuff. And there's a little story that I wrote and it was, it was all exactly how i think how i talk my my perceptions my perspectives and nothing really changed since i was 10 you know and and i don't think much does when you're talking about the things that really matter like a vocation to the arts and um so once that wicked sealed the deal you were like this is happening and i really really want to do this so in high school were you pretty active in that whole drama club and all that
2: yes i was i was very active so we were really lucky in the little town of Bartlesville, Oklahoma, we had a really great theater program and choir program and music program. And they ended up building an entirely new facility, fine arts facility wing. Of course it's the, the gag was, they were like, we'll only build the facility. If we can build a new field house for our sports. Cause obviously like in Oklahoma, you got to get the
1: the, the jumbotron, right? Got to get the jumbotron up. (laughs)
2: Even though, bless them, and they still suck, but our all of, except for our basketball team was pretty great, but our, our football team, we could not win a homecoming game to save our life. But you know what? doesn't matter. It's Sports come first. all fun, right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Even though like our choir and orchestras and bands were you know, award-winning top tier.
1: Excelled, right?
2: Right. Doesn't right. matter. So we had, um, in our high school, you had to be in choir in order to be in the musical. And... So that's why I was in choir because I knew that I wanted to do musicals and knew that I wanted to act. Um, So I did. I had a really fertile um, upbringing as well. We also had a really great children's musical theater before high school. So they would do full-fledged musicals, costumes, sounds, lights, live orchestra on our community center stage every year. And so I was was really, really fortunate. Um, And it's wild because – Growing up, now looking back, I realized how fortunate I was in the what I would call the the American Midwest arts drought area that time, we were in. Yeah, it's just right, yeah. it was a beautiful little cocoon mm. of arts flourishing in the in Bartlesville, and it still is today.
1: Well, let me ask you this, Kennedy: Are there pe- are there um, contemporaries, uh, uh, other like uh, other students, whether they were with you then or since, that went on? To do things, I wonder you like what if you didn't have this thing? Where would Kennedy be? She'd be taking a tennis ball out of a dog's ass or something. I don't know It's <laughs> a veterinarian. So, so you know, did were there were there many like success stories that came out of that program?
2: There are, and um, so the first one was a woman named Melody Bryant, and she I believe performed. She went the classical route, so I I believe mm-hmm. she's performed at the Met, uh, but I I she was. She was about 6 or 7 years older than me so I haven't really wow. I haven't really kept in contact with her but my sister obviously yeah who is in the business actively and actually my my one of my high school best friends Brad Gray we we acted opposite each other a lot but he decided to go the technical route so he is one of the world's I think Honestly, he gets paid more than all of us. He is a professional lighting programmer and works for lighting designers on Broadway. Oh yeah, I mean, he goes out to tours. He does Broadway. It's he did Rouge like, wow. Yeah, and he's really great. Him and his wife, and so it's really fun to have a good friend who's in the business who understands, but also decided not to be an actor, and that's okay too.
1: Totally. Totally. I think acting is a great way into the the
2: lights on. Well, (laughs) yeah,
1: well, we find our calling, you know, there's the acting is the thing that gets us all into the show somehow, some way. Right. And then through the years, whether it's in high school, through college, or even after, and I've seen actors kind of drop the acting thing and focus more on the production side. And it's just how it's working for you. You know, it's the there's our dream and then there's the reality's version of our dream and then there's things that are way better than what we thought we wanted and you know it's i'd i'd much rather be a lighting designer than an out of work actor like any day <laughs> right. you know i'm sure that life is incredible um so that's awesome okay so so um talk about getting into the whole like college uh situation what were you doing where were you thinking who what were your picks and why
2: oh gosh well, first off, I would never want to go through that process ever again in my life. I, Amen. More props to the kids who are doing it now. I, I feel like it just keeps getting more and more competitive. It's mm. wild. Um, I I was dead set on going to the University of Michigan. I went to their summer program. I I had scheduled my audition in the fall, like fully gunning because I knew that they were, you know, really good. So I was looking at Michigan CCM which I mm-hmm. I didn't end up going because I visited but we can talk about that in a second. Michigan CCM uh Carnegie Mellon Elon University which I did end up going to um mm-hmm. FSU like I had I had about six or seven really good top schools that that I was thinking about and my mom, you know, forethought we actually went and visited each of the schools to kind of get a feel of and visited the classes so that we got a feel of the campus, what it was like to live there because I was going to be spending four years of my life there and what the, what the chemistry was with the students and, um, just what the community felt like that I was going to be in, you know, indoctrinating myself. Big
1: time. That's that's oh, your life yep. for four years. That that campus is your world. Yeah. And it's such a small teeny world that you don't you don't leave until like Thanksgiving, Christmas. That's it. Summer, maybe, you know. Exactly. But uh, so it's important. Yeah, it's important that you and it's really good that your mom was able to to invest in that. I mean, it's yeah. not cheap to like go to these colleges mm-hmm. and take the tours. You gotta stay in the hotel and like yeah. That's great, though. Okay, so so what we stood out? We definitely stayed
2: in some like we some, we she- some shady, shady yeah. places, but you know, my mom, she's just so she's a bright light and she's positive about everything, and mm. you know, I never felt unsafe. But we definitely like looking back on it, I'm like, oh yeah, she she really was. Yeah, it's really a perfectly fine
1: overpass, honey. Just go to yeah. go to bed.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah, there's it's fine. The trunk is we'll quiet. It's, it's, it's ambient noise,
1: right? It's white noise. <laughs> it's a semi. Oh my um,
2: word. The <laughs> things you hear through thin wall, thin hotel walls.
1: Oh, um. I bet. Okay, so so what stood out? What did you lo- you went to Elan but but what if there's if there are people who are looking at colleges, what were the things that you were looking for?
2: I was looking for I was looking for so we visited and most of the times they will let you sit in on one dance class and one acting class. And I remember at Michigan it was really beautiful cuz I got to witness a dance class and an acting class and sit in on what they had a vocal studio. Uh, What did they call it? Michigan's
1: such a great school, isn't it?
2: Yeah. It it was such an
1: amazing program. It's phenomenal.
2: The, the facilities they have, the teachers at the time that they had were really amazing. And I will say in their summer program, I learned so much. I feel like I grew leaps and bounds, which is when you can grow from just observing and also taking part, maybe in a class as Mm -hmm. a prospective student, you know that that's where you want to go another thing that i look for is the way that students treated each other because in in i was raised to be kind and i know that in this business there sometimes can be a cutthroat mentality and i just don't i don't thrive well in those environments
0: in this business
1: and <laughs> Can't imagine. Uh, Ego? Recurring. Where? Oh my God. Um, so yeah. what What did you, did you experience that more in college or after? Did you see that in, because in, I've heard these stories, Kennedy. I didn't go, yeah. we, neither of us went to a, uh, your typical acting, four-year acting BFA kind of thing. Um, but I have heard right. stories that the clickiness and sort of I don't know something overtake. I guess what you said it was. What did you What did you call it? The competitive mentality.
2: Yeah, the cutthroat. The cutthroat. cutthroat the idea that there is a finite amount of jobs or a finite amount of roles. Like they're
1: acorns that you're just like, this is mine, right? Like, and it's you have like,
2: to stock them up,
1: <sighs> right? Right.
2: Or you have to like kick out the competition, mm. you know? Which is, I think, if it ever turns to looking sideways, like where you have to. You have to be so good that you kill the competition. No, I think, I think the, the, it's, it's good. I think there are, are healthy levels of competitiveness that push yourself to become better. And that's when you're looking forward. You're competing with yourself, not other people.
1: Right. That's the difference. I think, like, you look at yeah. Conor McGregor and he will like bury his opponent before they even get into the ring verbally. Right. And with acting, it's like you can't muscle your way through anything because it's such a give and take environment. And it just, it's not conducive to like growth or safety or.
2: Exactly. Safety. you You, you hit the nail on the head because it's such a vulnerable art that we do, right? Big time. It's very personal. And whoever you have a scene with, you know, there has to be an amount of trust there. And so, and so in environments, especially collegiate environments, I find, um, throughout my Elon career, but also hearing what my friends have said about their collegiate time and also coming in and teaching students at the collegiate level about how to audition and what the art is, which we can talk about that later. You Mm. know, the, you guys, you guys know the art of auditioning is different from the actual art of doing the gig. Big Um, time.
1: It's like a separate project that you're working on,
2: you know? And so it's, I just find that, especially colleges with cut programs I immediately did not audition at those because I wasn't interested in a school that wasn't willing to commit to me for 4 years because I knew I wasn't perfect and I Ooh. knew I needed to learn That's not and cool.
1: So you're talking about people are in a year or two and they're getting cut before their fourth is up. Yeah. That's bullshit.
2: Oh yeah.
1: I mean I get it. If there's somebody who just does not have it and not belong you know you're make right. you're taking up space for people who are who might have a career for this thing, you know, but
2: that's think that's the thing is that these collegiate people who most of them have not been in the business for right. at least 15 years. So they're already obsolete after two years out of the business, in my opinion. But and, I mean, this is, I know I'm going in. No, no, no.
0: I we to say, totally agree.
2: If BFA programs 24 are so amazing. Months, yep. There it is.
0: You're obsolete.
2: <laughs> right. So sorry. BFAs <laughs> are incredible, but, it's also good. I'm, this, I'm speaking to anyone who's in college right now or people who are auditioning for college. Just know that it's not the be all end all. And you're going to have an amazing time and college is so much fun and you should learn everything you can. But I, I do think that there's a lot of damage that you can take if you, if you, how do I want to say this? if there are things placed on you that may not be true so as mm. far as cut programs where it's like you don't belong here you don't you know you don't have anything you really shouldn't be an actor so those are the people who yes and they and they leave but then i love the stories where they go to la and they're like my god i'm funny i'm perfect for this track and they get they get booked and they become famous simply because they had something different that wasn't a cookie cutter mold
1: and maybe it was the suffering that that was the fuel for this independency or this uniqueness and let's not forget i have at least 3 people i know right now who were at the bottom list of every single project if they were even, if they even were to make it on something they were never the lead they were never cast they were kind of cast aside if they ever were um and then they went off to have leading roles on Broadway and that is the We've truth. We've
0: had so many guests on this show where they're like in college or some sort of school institution and the professors were like, you will never X, Y, and Z. Oof. And then of course, you know
2: I've got a story like that. They well, was a casting that, director you know in New mean? York City.
0: <laughs> Can you say it? Oh yeah. Can you tell well,
2: me? Well <laughs> i it was a it's it was a casting director at Telsey, who's no longer uh-huh, there. I uh-huh. will, I will, you know, I I have how, no how, ill will towards this person no, at of all. Course I not. think they're wonderful too. How and many years
1: into the business time. were you at this point?
2: Just moved from college. Okay.
1: She's fresh, ready fresh. to be buried.
2: Right. Oh, you know what? And you come in and you're like, wow, I'm in the world. And casting directors and directors and associate choreographers and associate music directors, you're you're just ready. I I love taking class. I'm also, I love taking class now because I have enough, I know myself well enough mm. that if something doesn't resonate with me, I'm able to just throw it out. But when I was younger, I was a sponge and I believed everything that was told to me.
1: Right.
2: Um. And this particular person I remember very vividly uh, told me one time I was, he, it was one of those classes where you, where you go multiple weeks in a row and they, assign you like homework and stuff. And I remember I brought in Nancy from Oliver because I was assigned that as my callback, you know, practice, which Mm. it's so helpful to practice callback situations. It's, it was amazing. Um, But I remember the first thing he said was, you know, do you have something that can cover your arms? Because I'm trying to see you as the love interest lead. And I just, it's, it's hard to imagine you with what you came in with, which I was wearing a dress. Like, like, I mean, random stuff, and I couldn't, you know, and at that, point, I got to cut off
1: my arms, I guess. Let I me know.
2: tell you, well, and I don't have big <laughs> arms by any stretch of the imagination, but little, young, impressionable me was like, wow, I must be, I must have big arms. And so, and so it took years. Oh, yeah. To get that out of my head. Now, the second thing was we, at the very final class, we, we had a list of dream roles of things that we thought we could play and we hope to play that are on Broadway currently. And at the top of my list was Alphaba. And he immediately looked at my list and went, I'm just going to say this right now. Oh, boy. You will never play Alphaba because they'll never go that short again. Now, I'm five, five and a half. There have been Alphabas after me that are way shorter. Anyway, guess what? Yeah. Guess what? The next thing, the next big thing I booked.
1: Um, the Alphabet understudy
2: on the Wicked tour. Like, How
1: about that?
2: So casting directors aren't always right.
1: Sometimes when I hear things like that, like like a demeaning, like you'll never dot dot dot, I automatically say, "Oh, good, it's going to happen now,"
2: because yeah. you <laughs> said
1: it, it's going to happen to whoever. Because we have so many stories like that, and fuck that person mm-hmm. right in the ass, like fuck <laughs> that person. Because you know what? I bet you you probably curbed like dieted or gym or like the self-hate that you, you might've had from that conversation of this impressionable young person. These people have so much power and they, they know it and they can, they feel like they can say whatever they want, but really
2: it affects them deeply. You know, absolutely. I think, I think when you're in a position of power, you have to be careful about Mm. how you say things, when you say them and will it be helpful? Um, That's what I believe, and I'm very careful when I'm coaching people. I try to do the positive, and if I'm going to say something that, you know, might hurt someone's feelings in a way, especially when you're young, I, I really pause, and I try to find a kind, gentle, uplifting way to say something. It's like, well, I can tell. I just try to find an uplifting way to say it. I think there's a better way to say it than just point blank, like what I say is law. I I love to say, hey, if something doesn't resonate with you, throw that out the window because I'm here to make sure that you can be your best
1: right.
2: when you walk into that room, and I want nothing but confidence from you. You know,
1: and that's but your motivations are you know solid, and some people's are. I'm in a right. position of power, and I get to wield it. And
2: right, you know, yeah. well, I like to think that you know this person really thought that they were helping me at that point. And, and I will say I've never felt like anyone was out to get me. It's just when you're young and impressionable and you want to do well and you, and you want people to like you, you want people to call you in for things there, there can be a little bit of a desperation and a a permeability of being willing to believe things that might not apply to you. Hmm. And so I want to say that not, not fuck them. If anything, as with anyone, when you face rejection or when you face something that you don't want to hear, it's not what they say. It's how you respond to it. And I like to look at every rejection as an opportunity to grow in self-confidence and move beyond that rejection in a way. So what I will say is this person saying that I'd never play Alphabet again or excuse me, that I'd never play Alphabet in general Um that kind of gave me a beautiful release of, oh, it broke my heart. It really did. And my friends who were also taking the class at the time said that they saw my dream shatter within my eyeballs in that moment. And, <sighs> you know, like really Kennedy. heavy stuff. <laughs> oh, yeah, whatever. You know, little me. <laughs> that's so
1: um, sad.
2: Yeah, I know. But honestly, I took that in and I was like, well, if that's, if that's what it is, there's nothing I can do about that. And okay, fine. And I like nursed my wound for about a week. And then I, and then I picked myself up and I kept going. I'm like, well, what can I book? What can I do? Where do I fit then? Mm. So that when wicked came up, I went into the room and I was like, whatever. Pfft, like, this is my alpha, but you guys aren't even going to hire me anyway. And it happened <laughs> to be exactly what they were looking for. Like, because because this person had told me I'd never book it and i believed him i was able to walk in the room being 100% me not trying to be what they i thought they wanted oh. but rather i was in the moment i was you being came myself in with
0: a lack of desperation yeah, yeah. sort of like i'm just look i'm just going to do it the way i interpret it and want it to do if they like it yeah. cool if not oh, isn't but they that probably wonderful- were like hey someone came in with something a little different and yeah. we haven't seen that in a while cuz all these people come in with the exact same. This is what you want, right? This is what you want. Okay, right? cookie cutter, cookie cutter, cookie cutter. And you came yeah. in with like a whatever. I mean,
2: it was definitely a fire. And they were like, love fuck that. You. But in, in, in <laughs> a way that's like, in a gentle fuck you of like, I know I'm not going to get this job. So here I am. Like, <laughs> yeah, I'm
1: perfect. Love that. Oh my God. I, so I, in a way I hope I'm you sent a ticket. Cool. I hope you sent him a ticket that would have been great oh, to the I show could. anyway that would
2: have been amazing but it's fun. so
0: so Kennedy you're finishing up your your four years at Elon um did you have a showcase at the end of that you said you mentioned you were like kind of dead set on New York i assume right as soon yes. as you were done so what was the end of your uh <laughs> yes so
2: i was at Elon like? so i ended up going to Elon because i loved the way the students uh, treated each other and i hmm. loved the way when i auditioned it just felt like a very peaceful place to a nurturing place to grow and it was now what i will say is every every school has its quirks and every school has what we were talking about that weird clickiness about it um but again it's what you do with the time you're given in school like what you apply yourself to and did talking about rejection. did i
0: I think
2: so. <laughs> you shut <shall laughs> uh, uh, so sweet,
1: though. Yeah, that's true, though. And it's it's North Carolina, right? East Coast.
2: Yeah. Yeah. yeah North, okay. North Carolina, beautiful campus. So many good friends I made there that I still am Aww. best friends with to this day. Like, I would never take that four years back. Granted, it wasn't always easy. Uh, let's talk a little bit about rejection within collegiate and outside. I... I had a hard time getting cast at Elon because there were definitely favorites at, and I, I didn't fall into that category. I did end up playing a lead my senior year, but what I will say is without realizing it, Elon prepared me more for the real world than they knew because you're going to hear no way more times than you hear yes. Mm. And it's what do you do with that no? How do you they
1: respond? You, they,
0: weren't, they weren't like coddling you. Right. So then you went out into the real world and you're like, well, I booked everything in college. Why right. is right. why and are casting offices not knocking on my door?
2: Exactly, precisely. Because a lot of
0: people are hot shit in college and then they move right. to New York or LA and they're like Fizzle.
2: Fizzle. Oh God,
0: the real world just sort of hits them like a it's train. True.
2: Yeah, and that's you know, that's their journey. Everyone has their own journey. Mm-hmm. Um but my journey was hearing no a lot. And what I realized was by the time I was a senior, so every time, all the time that uh, my other peers were getting cast and playing roles and and going to rehearsal and and getting to do shows, you know, right and left, right and left. During the time they were rehearsing, I was in the practice room. I was in the dance room. I was working on my craft solidly as much as I could consistently every day. I really was focused on getting better.
0: Hmm. No
2: matter what, even if it was just a little inch forward getting a little bit better. So I spent all that time in my practice room by the time we got to senior year. So what we did is we don't have a, we didn't go to New York and have a showcase. They brought casting directors, agents to us, um, cool. which I actually, I really liked because, because we prepared what we were going to do in front of them. And we got to, I, I just felt like it was a lot more um, calm in the way. It was your home yeah, it,
1: it, you know, you're not the it awaits. In, yeah, yeah, yeah,
2: exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Great. And we got to welcome them into what we do. So by the time we got to senior year, I had had all this time and I worked on my audition book meticulously. And <laughs> what I what I tell people is our senior sim, we had the audition book that we had to turn in for our class. Right. And I had that assignment. And then I had my actual audition book, which was full of a lot more different things. Wow. You had
1: quite a kind of a portfolio to to grab from.
2: Yes. Amazing. I I did what, what I felt would work for me and showcase me best. Right, And what we were, the assignment that we were given that I was looking, I was like, this is not even nearly everything or close to the things that i feel like are my strength and so i just trusted my yes, gut
0: kennedy your hands raised can we have more this isn't enough
2: this i need more
1: homework more- yeah
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> oh that's amazing good no. for you you were all ready to go and how was it how was the showcase
2: oh, It was awesome i've it it was it was amazing i i got a lot of really good feedback i got called in by almost every casting director i got called in by every agent um So it was, you know, it was really a beautiful moment where I felt where I could see that I was going to be okay. Mm -hmm. Um, And one of the casting directors actually told me that in the room. It was Jay Bender. Um, God rest his soul.
1: Wow. What what did you say?
2: Well, so he. Oh man. Hopefully I don't start crying. But here's here's another thing. Is like if you say the right thing at the right moment to some kid, you might just set them up for success and the rest of their for the rest of their life. So
0: basically,
2: yeah, what he said,
0: we have had so many people on this show who have had a mentor where they were in like a, a kind of a state and a mentor said one thing and they went, Oh, well that's it. That's it. And that set them on their trajectory to success for the rest of their career. And it's absolutely true. If you're in the, you just have that one meeting and it's one
1: person. Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: All right, so what what do you say?
2: So at Elon, what we do is we dance for them first. We do three different combinations. And then we go into our singing hall, uh, Jaeger Hall, which you sound glorious there. It's a small little like uh, concert venue hall that is kind of akin to a black box. And you go in one by one and you bring your book in and you start with something and then they ask and get to know you personally. Mm. So it's you and a teacher you, one of your teachers and the casting director or agent, whoever the guest is that you bring in. And Linda, Linda was the teacher that we had in that day. And she was friends with Jay Bender. So she got to be the the host teacher basically that, that was overseeing the auditions, Mm -hmm. the audition, you know. So I sang a song and he, and he kept having me sing for my book. He had me do a monologue and he just like, he stops, takes his glasses off it was weird. It was like for 10 seconds, looks at me, puts his glasses back on. It's like, um, if he, I think he had glasses, maybe I'm remembering that wrong, but regardless, he looks at me and he goes, can I ask you a personal question? And I'm like, shoot, I've got nothing left to lose, you know? And he asked that question that is just like, he said, I'm looking at your school resume um, and you have, you, you know, you have, some good credits but not as many as others in your grade and he's like but what you're presenting to me is one of the best like one of the best you're so well prepared you're really good at what you do it it's incredible I could call you in tomorrow you know for the shows that I'm casting he's like but why do you think that is that you weren't cast you know and that's that that question you know that when you're young, you're constantly thinking that there's something you could have done. But the truth is, usually there's nothing you could do. What's for you is for you. Mm. And what's not is not. Um, but it takes time. It takes time in the business to realize that. But So I took a deep breath because obviously this question encapsulated the big major question that I had about whether I should be going into this business. And, and I just responded. I said, you know...
1: They're just jealous.
2: (laughs) No, they're just jealous. No, (laughs) I I just remember responding. I said, you know, there I've asked myself that question so many times over this four years while I'm here, I've worked my ass off to get where I am. And I've been really close. Some for dream roles that I've been passed over for here. I've been in final callbacks a lot here and I didn't get them. And, and I don't know why. And maybe, maybe I don't need to know why, because the only thing I can do is be my absolute best that I can in that moment and know that when it's, and just hope that when it's right, it's going to be right. You know,
1: he's like, okay, Jesus Christ. She's ready. (laughs) She's ready.
2: And he's, he, he looked at me and he said, you're going to be just fine, kid. You're going to be just fine. That's wonderful. And I wept and I walked out weeping. Now, we had had some kids who went in and came out crying because he like tore them down. Like I walked out crying, like I walked out happy crying, which looks like crying, you know. Right. (laughs) You know, what a concept. And I felt, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, my God, like Kennedy's crying, too. Oh, God, we're all screwed, you know, like and they came and I was like, no, 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 it's good. It's good. Uh, and then I just walked away because that was, in that moment, that was just for me. And what a beautiful shifted. moment. Yeah. Love
0: that.
1: Wow. Yeah. You know, sometimes, and uh, we talked about this in the last episode about the validation that is so important for us, but we shouldn't need, but we just need it. And at some point <laughs> at the beginning, we hear something, whether it's a parent saying, you know, maybe you want to think about doing this or it's a mentor a coach a teacher somebody who's who's spending a little bit more time on you and you get that feeling like it's not just in my head that I'm good and I want to do this I'm I you know I'm getting this validation from an outside perspective and that's that's enough glue to last me for two or three years right out of the gate just to just right. knowing that I'm I'm I have some someone out there thinks um Thinks of my abilities as I do. I guess that validation is so important, and what a blessing that was. So, so okay. you took that kind of um that energy into into moving to New York. When did you officially move? So, In the summer fall.
2: So during that process, I auditioned for Jillian with Bender. Bender, uh-huh. yes, with Bender Casting for American Idiot, and oh. I. Got called well, we back know twice what in New there, York. Yeah. yeah and right. then I ended up booking it. And I was, which actually for me, because I wasn't really a Green Day head or anything like that. And normally I was normally the things that I did were very traditional, not pop rock, certainly not punk rock. And so I just went in there and I was like, this is me. I, I'm not going to get this, you know, <laughs> and I got it. And I remember her calling me and going, you you booked the job. Do you want to play Heather on American Idiot? And I'm like, are you sure it, that you have the right person? She
0: asked if we're sure.
2: <laughs> she laughed. Yeah. And she was like, I'm pretty sure. That no, sure. this is Kennedy
0: Coggle. <laughs> <laughs>
2: yeah. Yes, yeah. we know Kennedy. Sorry.
0: Oh, okay. Well, then, yeah, I guess. <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah, no, and so- Oh,
1: amazing. How old were you, 22?
2: Age. I was 20. Yeah, Three? 22. I oh had just God. turned 22- I had walked the stage and the next day I had put all of my stuff into a car because I had to get into a an airplane the next day to fly in order to make it for the first day of rehearsals. Jesus. I'm I'm so lucky. Here's the deal, guys. It doesn't always happen like that. That was a a divine
1: mm-hmm.
2: something, something. And and it was incredible night. I would have,
1: I would have loved and, to have seen you on that American Airlines plane lifting off, and all those assholes who were like, you know, anybody who was who doubted you for a second—they're just watching you as you just go off to the to hilarious. your life.
2: <laughs> you no, know, like I said, like I said, I'm eternally grateful oh, for yeah. everything, even the even the stuff that was not easy to go through, because I think it it prepared me for the real world. Um yeah. especially but the stuff, so much more right? good.
1: Yeah, Honestly, but it's the like, bad stuff though that that your skin your skin is so thick and not like the you're handling that rejection your thin your your skin is so thick just to survive right. because of those no's and because of the setbacks.
2: Yeah, well, um, once you realize that rejection doesn't kill you, rejection doesn't actually harm you. It's how you deal, how you handle the rejection that harms you or makes you fly.
1: Boom, baby, yep. boom! I just lost and a so, meeting with an with an agent who like. I would love to have, but for one reason or another regarding their roster, I didn't fit in. And it was, I was waiting for a week for the, didn't go my way. I called my manager, said, on to the next one, let's do this. That that kind of, I know what you're saying when it's like, th- this isn't rejection, this is just the business. It's just, that's not a no, it's just, this one isn't for you, it's on to the next one. And other people who might not think that way or have that perspective could say, well, fuck that. I mean, ugh, it's not going to happen for me. I mean, you know, and then they they get all...
2: Right, up in well, arms about that. Because why would you waste time? What's actually for you is waiting for you. Sure, but you gotta you gotta go to the go next. And get it right? Yeah.
1: How long was that tour? And that
2: was
0: uh, that was the tour, right?
2: Yeah, that was the tour. Yeah. Oh man, and we got to we started in the UK. That was what was so oh, wow. crazy cool about. Did this you even move job. to New York
0: first? How did that work?
2: Yeah. So we did a we did a two week long workshop. About a month before we were going to fly over. So we did a a two-week-long workshop where we basically learned all the choreography, set it, went to uh, New 42, um, and basically set the show. Yeah. Well, my sister already lived there, so I actually stayed. I I split the apartment rent with her during that time. Lovely. man. Yeah, because she was doing Newsies at the time.
1: Oh, fun. Wow. Yeah. Yeah, and, so and the reason right. why we're at you know we're our, our episode is is we're really spending a lot of time here in these years because we, we are talking about the doors opening and this is very specific to the story. Um right. obviously we want to get into like all the stuff that you've been doing even and we will later and 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 now but um so so that's kind of how things opened up for you yeah. going from the seed planting to the flourish you know yeah. um so so tell us about after that tour what were the next steps for you as far as an agent uh did you have a side job what was the next project was there a drought give me the skinny
2: hell yeah there was a drought um <laughs> okay so the good thing is from Elon I actually signed with Dgrw from from gym right coming right out of the gate and what was amazing about them was I booked American idiot, which was non-ec at the time, um, without them. And they were like, that's okay. We want to keep some, we want to work with you and we want to submit you while you're on the road and, and get your equity card. The girls
1: work and it's fine. We'll eat this and stay with us.
2: They, but they didn't take a commission from that and they still submitted me and they were, and I thought that was just so amazing.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And it really showed me that my prior their priority was me mm-hmm. and my mm-hmm. career rather yeah. than the money i could make them
0: yeah. which
2: really really made me feel safe and trust them and so i've been with What's them ever since
0: it's an investment it's like <laughs> wow you know
2: it's an You've investment.
1: been with them ever since huh that's awesome yeah, yeah Great.
2: and they're amazing so i had them during that time and then i left and i i did a regional production of white christmas um and i got my equity card
1: Nice. And
2: then there was like a nine months. I mean, honestly, though, there are droughts, but I realize that there are longer droughts than this.
1: Yeah. You say nine months. (laughs) I'm sorry. I did that yesterday. Nine months.
2: You know, and we all experience those times. Yeah. For me, it was nine months. And I worked at Barry's Boot Camp as a smoothie girl. Love it. And I taught taught kids the art of auditioning over Zoom during that time as well. But man, let me tell you, I... I was at Barry's boot camp. I got peanut butter all over my Lululemons and I woke up with peanut butter in my hair behind my ear. And I literally was like, you know, maybe, maybe I, maybe this is not what I want to be doing with my, maybe I shouldn't be an actor. Cause about around like month seven, I was like, I, I don't know. I'm auditioning. I'm getting really close. And at the time, you know, I didn't realize that when you get close on things, that means you're doing something right and you should just keep going. It's a numbers game. And, uh, yeah, so about nine months in is when I got the call for wicked and during that time. So during that time I was working at Barry's bootcamp, I also took this, you know, work, I was taking workshops. I was in class getting to know the casting directors that I hadn't gotten to know yet, uh, being back from tour Mm. and, and took that class, had that said to me and somewhere along in there at that Barry's bootcamp struggle world, I was in for wicked (laughs) and, I got the call at Barry's boot camp. <laughs>
1: <gasps> Pulling peanut yeah. butter out of
0: your nose. Yes, and...
2: they're like you want to understudy Elphaba and be green. And I was like, Are you yeah, sure? Yes. <laughs> Are you sure? Oh man, there. Well, was... I'm used
0: to peanut butter being all over me. So let's <laughs> yeah, green.
1: covered in green. Let's do yeah, it. she
2: wipes peanut butter from all her crevasses.
1: <laughs> so h- how long? With well, this, this was the tour as well. No.
2: Yes. It was yeah. Okay. Tour. So how
1: long was that tour?
2: So I was on the road for about. Almost two years by the time I left. Oh, my God. And then I came back for a short stint to be the standby. And then I came back to New York. So it was a really, oh, man. It was an incredible, wow. incredible experience. So it's so experience. funny.
0: You, like, finish college. You moved to New York, quote, unquote. But you're kind of on tour mm-hmm. for yep. a, for a number of years. So you, like, your home base is in New York. But all in all, you haven't really spent yeah. a ton of time in the city cuz you were I've, touring for several years.
2: I feel like about a third Working. of the time I've been on the road, which is yeah. awesome. You know, we toured UK. What I will say is the American idiot was about 9 months. Hmm. And okay. then and then I came back because they were yep. going to go to Korea and stuff and I I was just ready to be in New York. I was like, "You know what? I'm right. <laughs> headbanging is a lot for me. I think I'm going to try
1: <laughs> right.
2: <laughs> something else." And so I I follow my gut and I came back and then and then Wicked, I just, I loved it so much. I love the people. I love the show. I would love to go back, you know. I just, it's a special sort of magic when your dreams actually come to fruition, I think. and Magic. It's yeah.
1: something. It's something. It's incredible, you know, and we get to see that. Sometimes we have droughts that last a year or more, but like we ev- we eventually see... And get reminded how magical it is. You know, you go yeah. from like, ugh, this darkness, this drought, to like, oh my god, here I am, I'm doing it again. Great. Is not the roller coaster,
2: just a crazy ride?
1: Nuts, <laughs> nuts. <laughs> like
2: one day you're questioning, should I be an actor? Should I do this? And honestly, right. there are still some days where it's a slog. And I'm like, big time. Yeah. Even if you, even if you are, like, fully employed in your dream job and what you're doing, some days it doesn't yeah. work. And you have to really get real back to the trip. root of why you do it.
0: When you do TV and film, mm-hmm. and you have that moment for a day, and then yes, you go back to yeah, I mean, berries. Back, oh to to yeah, like, back, you don't know, usually don't do theater for a day. It's like okay, well, right. cool, I know what my next several months, several years, even, you know, I'm going to be like an employed actor. But yeah. depending on what I'm doing, doing, a quick a quick co-star, film, at,
1: co-star at the at the like at the Barrymore or something. Yeah. <laughs> Just yeah. a one day, yeah, and it's like just oh, I get
0: to be an actor for that day, and then you right. go right back to it, and it's back to auditioning.
2: <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so when I left Wicked, uh, do you, so when I left Wicked, I had I just had a gut feeling. I was like, you know what? I've been out here a while. I really need to go back to New York and do something. Don't know why. And honestly, when I turned to my notice, it was with shaking hands because I didn't want to do it, but I knew that I had to. There was something. There's something in my gut that was just like. You need, you need to do this for you and you, because you have other goals and dreams that you want to do. So go do that. Hmm. And, and that's that's a tough thing.
1: Some some people say like, don't leave a show until you have a show lined up, but you didn't. And that's, that's ballsy. That's, and it worked out. That's awesome. Honestly,
2: I've done it multiple times and, and it's never failed when I feel that internal shift. I mean, depending on what, depending on what you believe you know, I'm I'm very spiritual. I'm I'm a Christian, and so I had I just had this gut feeling um, from God that I felt to go. Yeah. At you that time. you sound very
1: oh. intuitive, and that intuition can come no matter what spiritual path you're on. Right. What what what's right. important is the channel is cleared for you to be able to see, hear, feel, and exactly. and that, it's a real thing. Sometimes it's a voice saying go to this audition or yeah. bag that job and do this and you have to you have to have the the channels cleared in order to correctly yeah. and accurately navigate the ship you know and if you're not I can so there are times where I'm not and I can't hear a thing
2: right I and the courage the to sh- say yes well, when something sounds that, so opposite of what you should do yeah, yeah you shouldn't leave right a job that you have for nothing
1: sounds crazy
2: sounds crazy but, but do you have the balls
1: Right. Web, we just, we just, yeah, we just had an episode with Web and he, he just threw away this huge DJ like company who's making a ton of money. He's like, I'm going to go be an actor. I just really feel like, you know, it's like good for you, man. Fearlessness. You got to do it. You know, you got to do it. Terrific. Okay. So let's talk about um, things picking up for you as the years go on. Um, Did you have side jobs by the way? I know that you were like, we're doing some production assistant work and um, did you get to do a lot of that or were you acting mainly full time?
2: No, I did have, so I did Barry's camp, And then when I came, so when I came back off of Wicked, tell you what, it was, it was crazy. I, I was there for about a month and then I auditioned for a little show called Chick Six at the time. And I read the breakdown and it was this female artist who did female superheroes. Now, if you know anything about me, I'm a Marvel head and all I want to be is a female superhero. And so I, I saw this <laughs> and I was like, this is me. Oh my gosh, I'm going to book this. You know, knowing that I might not, but right. I went in with all confidence of what I had and I ended up getting it. And I had my off-Broadway lead debut as Katie White in what is now called Super U that is trying to get to Broadway right now.
1: How about Little that? Little did oh. I
2: know. So that was a month after leaving Wicked with nothing. What
1: year was this?
2: This was, 20- oh gosh, 2016? 2016. Okay. Yeah, this wow. was 2016. And so I did that and we were supposed to have a full long run into the next year, but something fell through with the funding at La Mama. And so they shortened it to just four industry presentations, which broke my heart Mm. because it feels like something that was given to you is being ripped out from underneath you. And I just didn't understand. I was like, my God, why is this happening? This is like the role of a lifetime and my dream. And a week later I got an audition from my agent to go to a little dance call for a show called, um, (laughs) Natasha, Pierre and the Great Comet of
1: 1812.
2: Uh And, and I was like, they gave us 36 pages of really hard music. If you know, Dave Malloy, he's just as hard as Sondheim, if not more complicated at times, he's just so brilliant. And I had seen the show before I was like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. And we had to go to the dance call and only if we weren't cut from the dance call, then they would have us sing the material that they gave us the night before.
1: Gotta dance first. Okay. The I night tell before. you what,
2: oh my, I email oh my, my agent. Heavens. I said, This, I said, this is rude, and this is not okay. And I'm not going. I'm I'm not gonna do that. I'm not gonna do that just to get cut at a dance call. I'm not gonna do it. And they're like, just just go. You never know. Do the best they can. Do the best you can. They know the turnaround is crazy. Just go. I don't understand.
0: Getting materials and not giving people ample time to prepare, so you can see the best. Is
1: it thirty six? Is this the music. test,
0: Kenny? Is it? I I I, I, I can't believe it. I
1: yeah. I I used to I, I you know whether you're like dating someone in in musical theater or something, and the, and you see thirty pages, and I've got my like two little scenes tomorrow for a film and TV, and and this person does everything. Your brain must be exploding. How do you do it? How does Well, luckily there
2: were, (laughs) luckily there was the (laughs) off-Broadway. Well, there was the off-Broadway recording. And so what I did was every time I was on a subway riding to things and I spent, I stayed up till two in the morning, just, just hammering in those cuts from off the off-Broadway recording and singing with it just so I Uh, could learn.
1: Even though you didn't want to do it, even though you you said it was rude, you were like, I got to do this. I'm a pro.
2: Yeah. I was just like, well, you know what? yeah, I trust my agents enough. Fuck it. Right. And, and so I just, I threw myself into it and I was like, I'll get as fat as close as I can to memorizing it tonight. And at 2am I was tapped out. I was like, Oh man, I'm I'm tired. I have to be up at 8am to get on the train to go. And, and so I And lest we
1: forget, everyone else is doing the same thing like, you are. So when you're freaking out in the bathroom, doing this yep. thing that's in front of the mirror, everybody else is doing that too, or just yeah. going to bed and saying, fuck it. I don't know. So Right. Yeah, you were as prepared as you could possibly be, and I'm right. sure most people weren't even close. So exactly. go
2: ahead. And so i i went through the I went through the dance call, and because I had seen the show before, I was able to ask questions in the ah. style of the show, like, "Is this when they're on the platform in the upper mezzanine in the audience? How much How much space do we have when we're doing this move?" And the dance captain, because I had done my research, so I was able to ask the dance question the dance questions that the dance captain was like ah they're already tuned in to the world they Fantastic. they understand it so i ended up doing great because it was very amazing pedestrian um martial artist type you know movement we did balaga which if you've seen the show that's the huge dance party where we're like taking shots and punching the air and and i just had fun yeah and i didn't get cut i ended up singing sang all through the material. And then the next day I got a call back again where we were going to sing the material for a larger room of people and play instruments if we did have instruments. So I ended up playing, I do play violin. So I played violin and I played piano. And I remember getting nervous. So I, so my hands were shaking on this this song that I thought would be in the style of the show. But I, I stopped playing halfway through and I was like, is that good enough? And they're like, no, why'd you stop? And I'm like, I just... I, I'm a little bit, my hands are shaking a little bit. Do you mind if I play you something that I wrote in high school? And they're like, yeah, little did I know that was the right thing to say. I didn't know this, but it just magically happened this way that most of the cast is made up of singer songwriters that write their own music. And so immediately I was already fitting in.
1: <laughs> you already with, booked it. You it already was, booked it.
2: <laughs> it was wild. And, the, and uh, Howard Kagan, the producer, was in the room. And he was like, so if we hire you, is your, are you available to start tomorrow? And I laughed. I was like, I mean, sure. Yeah. Cause I thought he was joking. He wasn't joking. So. I ended up getting the call that night at 5pm that I was going to be on Broadway and join the cast as a swing, covering all the <laughs> ensemble tracks, but also covering two of the leads of the show because I looked like one of the leads I was covering. I could sing Helene. Didn't look like Helene, but I could sing her. I played piano, so they were going to teach me accordion, but they didn't tell me that till my first day and when I got there. But it doesn't matter because Broadway. Right. And... And also I looked like the accordionist track that had gotten hurt. So it was just like- It just felt right. Yeah, yeah. This was a month and a half after oh I left God. Wicked. What? With that feeling. Wow. It's like, you got to go now.
1: Your heart, man. It speaks true and you listen to it. That's it.
2: Yeah. That's and incredible. It was, it was awesome. And, and I almost went on my first time going on. My Broadway debut was almost going on for Helene. With no rehearsal would have been a book in my hand. It didn't happen. But man, I tell you what, my stomach dropped through my butthole.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> that's the Name title of the, of the episode.
2: Stomach <laughs> <laughs> dropping through the butthole. Uh, Honestly, that's on brand for me. So, <laughs> Kennedy.
1: Unbelievable. Oh my
2: God. What yeah. a journey. What a journey.
1: Wow. And I remember, I remember posts, there were posts and seeing, I thought, I, I, when you said the accordion, I was like, I've seen a photo, red dress, maybe an accordion and I don't know. Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. So that was your official Broadway.
2: Broadway debut. Debut. And I made that, I'm, I made that debut in that track and another, I have so many funny stories. Please like cut me off and stop. Uh, Was your
1: mom, was your mom just so.
2: Oh, thrilled.
1: So out of this world, happy.
2: Oh my gosh and she loved the show too cuz I actually went to see it with her before I auditioned. Huh. And so she she loved the show and she was obviously like oh, any i would be so proud like of you my god. Decides to be an actor. Yeah. And then and then you're like, "Oh god, please please be successful. Oh god, you know.
1: I'm going to be the opposite dad and be like no son of mine is going to be an accountant. <laughs> right. You're getting to rehearsal."
2: <laughs> I love that. I love Get it.
1: your dance belt. Let's go.
2: Get your um, dance belt. Let's go. Uh,
1: that's yeah. so great. Okay. And how long were you there? Did you mention it wasn't? I maybe So I was
2: there. only supposed to be there for six weeks as a emergency interim uh, medical leave coverage swing. And I oh. went on in, I went on in the accordion track. And then during that time, I also covered Maria D and she went down about a month in and they called me and they're like, well, oh my you're God. on. I and,
1: heard about this.
2: Yeah. Oh, wait, this might've been the paradise square one. But we Okay. Go, go,
1: you continue. and no, Yeah.
2: yeah. And they were like, well, you're on. And so I went on and it went great. And, and I remember Katrina Yaki, who uh, you, sh- you guys should have her cause she's, she's incredible. But, um, she, she took me aside. She's like, you're staying kid. <laughs> and, really? Yeah. And it ended up being that I got, I kept getting extended and extended and extended cause I kept going on for different tracks. Um,
1: Tell me this Kennedy, that's a tougher job than say if someone just had a role. Are you getting paid adequately? I already know the answer to this. Um,
2: at the time, no, because there right. was no there was no limit on the amount of tracks that a swing could cover. So we covered all 30. Technically, Ugh. we could be thrown on for all 30, male and female, because they were interchangeable, um, androgynous tracks in yep. that way. So we could be thrown on at any time. There were times. There was one time when they called me and my PSM, Karen. She was like, hey, are you are you in midtown by any chance? And I was like, well, Uh, I I actually came, I'm came to midtown a little early. And I was having my coffee in the coffee shop and doing work. What's what's up. And she's like, well, remember that dance specialty swing part that we said we'd never throw you on for. Well, can you come to the theater and we're going to teach it to you in two hours. And so I did it that night and it went great. Like your
1: brain, musical theater, actors, brains are something else. Jesus. I
2: tell you what, I feel like I've never been smarter. When I'm swinging because that much of your brain has to be activated, but I, I'm so grateful for it. I don't ever want to do it again. There are some people who are so good at it. I particularly, I, I was good at it, but I didn't love it. Um, Well, let's be honest, Kennedy.
1: When, when we have nightmares, when actors have (laughs) nightmares, (laughs) it's usually you're an understudy. And that. you didn't prep enough that and everyone's watching. Yeah. So 100%. I don't
0: blame you. But I don't, you. <laughs> don't know the lines. Why would I go on? Because it's what's happening. But why Get out I go? There, go. Nope.
2: make it work. And you're like, what are the lines? Yeah. We've all had those nightmares, but honestly, <clears> after swinging and understudying that show, um, I will say that I'm so grateful for it now because it really, it really stretched me and showed me what I can do. And the fact that it doesn't have to be perfect. Sometimes being messy and imperfect, telling just tell the story. It doesn't have to be perfect. Just tell the story. And I bring that with me, whether I'm understudying, whether I'm leading the show. So when things go wrong, that's okay. Just, just go with the flow and continue to tell the story. And it really helps. That that's going to so. be the...
1: That's going to be the episode. Yeah.
2: Continue to tell the story.
1: Yeah, I love it. <laughs> just yeah. tell the story. And and it can be messy. Like you don't perfection is boring. <gasps> yeah. You know, and and something about Broadway where we have to, everything has to be per, it's like it doesn't have to be. It doesn't. Ugh, and and o- oftentimes
2: in live theater it's not. Yeah. Because you can't just yell cut and go back it's, and do it again. You can't? <laughs> you no. can't. Um, not unless you're Patty. Stick it from the
0: top. Stick it from the top. Um, and so, Kennedy, you have a credit on Law & Order SVU. When did the – did you ever, yeah. you know, start to have these conversations with your people of, like, maybe, like, let's throw me in for some on- – Let me be a cadaver, baby. Yeah. yeah.
2: Hey, yeah. Well, I think it was, it was always <laughs> was a – Was that a you thing? A was that a them short. thing? It was – I've always wanted to do TV film, and I think it's hard when – I was very blessed to be booked in theater a lot, and that kind of takes you out of the running for TV film because you can't commit to those dates. Um, So when 2020 happened, so fast forward, did beautiful, uh, you know, was Carol on the road, and then 2020 happened and shut us down.
1: Wait, that that was huge too. Okay, so I want to I want to quickly talk about beautiful, but yeah, go ahead.
2: Yeah, we'll come we'll come back to that. So. 2020 happened, and obviously all of us, you know, we had to ask the huge questions of who am I without this thing yeah. that I identify as, that I, that it's what I do. Am I what I do? Hmm. Um, a really beautiful, hard 2020 year that I would never wish on anybody. But looking back, I'm like, wow, I really needed that so that i could be me. Yes. And not we all needed it, boss. Kennedy. Yeah. And also we i think we terrifying. all learned our Exactly. But i will say oh. this, i feel like we all learned our worth yep. and what we have been putting up with that's not okay. Yep. Right no. Um, well, it never
0: stops. You yeah. know, like actors, you don't ever get a chance to like just stop mm-hmm. and breathe. No. Cuz it's always right. you'll breathe after rehearsal.
2: Right. the next next
0: (laughs) project you're on stage eight days a week you don't have a time to just for everybody collectively unanimously Mm -hmm. to put a pin in it and go can i just for a minute and with that you know we all had it which was terrifying because we were out of a job and you know you're also thinking like how do we do this again under
1: yeah these new
0: like new circumstances we have to uh we have to separate ourselves for six feet. We have to wear masks. yeah, how is that even conducive to live entertainment? Right. Also, if you've ever been on a film set and you realize there are hundreds of people there, how does that work? You know, so it, mm. it was terrifying. Right. But also we all got to just breathe for a second and take a minute. minute being months and sometimes a year 18 but- months yeah
1: right. yeah.
0: Uh, and we yeah. all
2: had to pivot, right and find. Yeah things that we could either do instead of or use what we got to do. So my big pivots were uh, voiceover was my number one pivot. I love it. I You'd love great it. Great. So yeah. uh, and honestly, now it's my consistent bread and butter when I'm not in a Broadway show. It's, is I it mean, more
1: commercial stuff that your agent is getting you or is it more narrating and industrial stuff? What, what are you doing?
2: Um, so I don't actually have a voiceover agent right now, but most of what I do is industrial voiceover or commercial voiceover. I, I'm excited to get into audiobook work, but I just haven't had the time. And mm-hmm. audiobook is something that you really have to have hours in your day. Yes, you Because do. the turnaround time for per finished hour is.
1: Uh huh. That's something you do when you're out of work is, is a book. Right. Like,
2: right. take when two you're weeks. Gonna show, do yep. a book. Yeah. Exactly. What are you doing? Working on a book?
0: Uh, you're Work, right not no, no, a book. No. So, sorry i'm reading a book
1: reading a book yes for other people
0: <laughs> for people to hear sorry i didn't make that clear okay yeah. so
1: we we would be remiss if we didn't talk about this beautiful
2: oh yes and
0: yeah.
1: i'm not calling you beautiful adam i'm talking about the show let's talk about beautiful how that all came to pass what an experience that must have been
2: oh this is fun so uh, my entire journey with beautiful. The first time I went in, I actually got called off the road of American Idiot, and I remember reading the script. I was 23, and I was going in for Carol King. Yeah. And I was 23 years old. I read the script. I'm like, whoever books this role is getting the Tony. They sure did, didn't they, Jesse Mueller? Yeah. And I went in three people after Jesse Mueller. One person before Liz Larson, who ended up playing Genie, the original Genie in the cast, who I ended up working with later. Hmm. I went in, I tried to play piano and I got nervous. And so I learned right then and there, it's like, don't do anything extra if they don't ask. Don't try to be extra. Ah. Just just do the sides. But it was fine. It went great. And they laughed and it was a, it was a warm room. I didn't book it. I was also, I think way too young to do that. 23 is
1: young for, for that huge experience.
2: Oh yeah. And Jesse Mueller is phenomenal. Um, so Years later, after I think Great Comet had just closed, um, during Great Comet closing, I went in for the for the understudy on the road for Carol hmm. and uh, just went in, did my thing at that point. I was just like, here, I'm not trying to play piano. Here's what it is. I know what it is now. Three years after my initial. And I was like, oh, my God, they're never calling me in again. That was so embarrassing. Um, but they did. They did. And when it's right, it's just right. I didn't get it uh, because, oh, excuse me, it wasn't the understudy on the road; it was Carol on the road. Mm. They bumped up the understudy. Good for them. So I'm really glad they did that. I'm so happy for her. She's incredible, and I'm glad they did that because they need to they need to normalize doing that anyway. Yeah. Anywho, so I didn't get the job, but I knew that I did good work in the room. Three months after that, in January. They're like, oh, the understudy position for the Broadway company is opening up. Would you come in and audition for it? Now, the day before, my uh, then boyfriend proposed to me and became my fiance. And so, of course, the day after, I'm like, I'm going into Pearl Studios. Nothing can bother me. I'm like, life is great. Life is good. You know, there's all these like, you know, young kids at the AAA whatnot like oh yeah the, the unified auditions for summer stock so there's so much like desperation and, and in, fear the hallway, in the hallway it's oozing out of the
1: vents yeah oh, oh but my i just Lord. walked in
2: i was like hi doesn't matter hi same 10 girls that i always see at these carol calls how are you doing like what's up go in do my thing i just remember feeling really peaceful and i didn't care i didn't care whether i booked it or not because i was so happy with me in my life oh wow. and uh, that ended up being the right time because they called me in a few days and we're like, well, we'd love to have you. And so I started, I did the understudy for a while, made my carol debut, understudied three different carols and worked with so many great people Wow! Um, and worked with so many great people. And the caveat I will say is just because you hear no once doesn't mean no forever because I also auditioned for Wicked five times before I got it Yeah. and I auditioned for Beautiful. So if they keep bringing you in, you're doing something right. Also- do good work wherever you are because you never know who you're going to work with in the future. I met Jason Howland hmm. on that project and he and he brought me on for Paradise Square. Wow. Later on, you know, while he actually took me from Beautiful, placed me in Paradise Square for the Berkeley production and, and I followed it. And the is there a little
1: way. story that we may have heard about Paradise Square that was you coming on? Maybe maybe that was, is that is that right?
2: Yes, was there, there I did end up going on uh, with no rehearsal for the lead that I covered during previews.
1: <laughs> I heard this from the bowels of social media everywhere. And I heard people say, she did incredible. Here's what oh. she was up against. This is what happened. And oh my God.
2: Oh, thank you. Yeah. What it was, an
1: achievement.
2: It was a trip and a half. But also, again, I had covered before and swung. And so I knew what yeah. I needed to prepare. So I had been preparing since Chicago. Uh-huh. Granted, a lot of stuff had changed. Since then, luckily I had about two hours. And so they You had was, the
1: foundation built. So
2: Yeah. And yeah. there were definitely like things that they had to plunk out and teach me that was new as far as music and stuff. But oh I, you know, she got How COVID. Incredible. So what are you gonna do? And so yeah. stressful. and we did it was crazy. I will say that first time I was just trying not to be killed by the set and I was trying not to hurt <laughs> others <laughs> by running into them. Right. And tell the story in the moment that I in the way that I could. She was
0: so good. She looked so scared up there. It was so real. <laughs>
2: oh my gosh. Right. It was like starving Irish up
1: there. Oh, wow. Kennedy, oh, this is this is wonderful. Before we let you go, I just want to say that you know, I'm seeing this pattern. Not only of just persistence and hard work and character and an instinct and all that, but when you don't care. And I don't mean when you don't give a shit about the project. My when goodness. you don't care about its effect on you. Mm-hmm. And what that means for your identity and your purpose, and the Instagram, and the got you know the parents and the friends, and when it when it has no control over you, and you have that freedom, mm-hmm. the muse comes stronger, and serendipity, and all that stuff that happens. Whenever we've booked something, it's kind of it's always the same. It's like we were just at peace. Yeah. We were at peace with who we were, and that can, we can't get that at twenty three.
2: Right. I, I mean, can't
1: get that. You need it through suffering, can. and well, maybe I suppose, but <laughs> most of the time it's through it's through striking out so many times by lifting this thing up on the pedestal and realizing that it let you down again. It's like, well, how do I? That's like going back to my ex and saying, you know, I want to be associated with you, and then they let you down again or something. You know, it's 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 so amazing when people grow into this peaceful place within mm-hmm. themselves. And just how powerful they are and how it's all correlated.
2: Yeah, there's nothing the more powerful than walking into a room, knowing who you are fully and how you would do it and being proud of that work. And knowing that if they say no, then that's their loss and more power to them. And also knowing that it wasn't for you and knowing that when it's right, it's just going to be right. Just be you and tell the story. That's that's what I've learned through everything. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head.
1: Kennedy oh, Coggle. Love wow. It. Lovely. What What are you up to um, in the near future? Anything coming out? Anything that you're working on that we can.
2: Yes. Yeah, so uh, you can, you can catch, catch me in paradise square while it's running on Broadway at the Barrymore theater. Right. On. Um, and super you is coming up. We have two nights at Carnegie hall, July 20th and 21st. So I'll be making my Carnegie hall debut. Wow. Uh, playing wow. that role that uh, I, that I got off Broadway and hopefully, hopefully cool. it goes to uh Broadway. There's, you know, there's projects and some film stuff, but you can find me on my Instagram or Twitter at, at Kennedy Coggle. Oh, um, yeah. Kennedy,
1: if if I have um on my next couple of projects, if I have a sister that I am looking for, for an actor, I'm just going to ring you if that's all right. Yes, you and I, come on. I'm battling with the dimple. I don't have as strong a dimple as you, but... um we do very much look alike. Yeah, little ginge, little ginge, lovely. Um, where can people uh, look you up if they want to stalk you on the Instagram or Twitter or Facebook or whatever? Yep,
2: uh, Instagram. My Instagram is at KennedyCoggle. Same thing with my Twitter. I, same thing with my uh, TikTok. But I don't really, I don't, I don't really TikTok. I'm more swipe on TikTok. Yeah, watch it. I'm a watcher. I, right. I don't even um, have the Instagram. App. Is <laughs> Instagram in, is it Insta
1: is. is the thing. Okay,
2: cool. Oh, and just to just to touch, I know that we're like little Stop. on time, no but I'm, I'm assuming you can edit if you need to. Of course. So basically during 2020, I focused on voiceover and fi- uh, TV film and going in for that. And I ended up booking my first movie that was filmed in my home state where I was. Whoa. And then from there, during that time, we moved to New Jersey in 2020 of October and I auditioned for Law & Order SVU and I just... I remember going in for this role and going, I'm probably not going to book this, but you know what? I'm going to tell the story, and I chose to, and I chose to do something a little different than I felt like everyone else would do, and I was I, I understand that I'm so lucky because I had yet to book anything on uh, television, but I was bamfed to the guest star slot. And what did you
1: do that was unique, that was original? and
2: So she's the bad... Okay, well, you know, if you decide... Spoiler alerts for everyone. Okay. If you happen to watch my episode, she is the wife of this really, really bad white supremacist guy who kidnaps a black woman. So trigger warning for the episode, it's pretty pretty uh, dark stuff. Huh. But I... Um, she had two scenes with all three of... Like, Mershka Hargitay and Ice-T were in the room. And the new DA guy that I forget his name uh but all three of them I had two large interrogation scenes in that famous interrogation room right you know that you know and love but she also had a scene before of when she is using her son to help kidnap the the black woman that is that is taken wow and so during like reading through it I was like you know why would she get in a van with somebody who is innately evil and creepy and so I did it like, I did that first scene as if it was Kennedy, who's lighthearted, open, warm, loving, you know, because I feel like most people would try to like play the ending. That's that's usually what happens is you've you got to be the ending.
1: ambiguous. You're the, you're mm-hmm. the, if you're a guest star, you got to know the structure of the story, and we're going to, yes. we're going to fool the audience. So you have to right. fool them and you have to fool her. So, right. right.
2: And I also made the choice at the very end when she does end up turning and helping them. I made the choice that, um, there was a little part of her that was disturbed by what was happening, and i I made the choice that my character I had to get behind the fact that she thought she was doing the right thing because of her beliefs because nobody ever believes they're the bad guy. So I didn't play the bad guy yep. I just played I just played my intention of what I wanted
1: oh the redemption the redemptive element of the character yeah. that's what it was needed, and I'm sure nobody threw that in. They were just evil. From yeah. the get-go, you know? Good I mean, for you.
2: Who knows? But also, I'm sure I, you know, I probably, I look like a Karen, I guess. So, <laughs> so you know, I'm you're sure- You're not a Karen,
1: I'm, you're a Kennedy. That's. You're a Kennedy.
2: That's right. But when SVU calls and says, hey-
1: Right. <laughs> we need a Karen. Oh, that's
2: awesome.
1: Yeah. Oh, how wonderful. Kennedy, what a life. There's so much ahead, <sighs> too. My God. You're just getting started. You know that, right?
2: I- you know what? Your mouth to God's ears. I said ah! yes. Let's go.
1: Amen, buddy. Okay, awesome. Kennedy, Kennedy thank you so thank much you for so hanging much out. Thank for joining us. Yeah, thank you for
2: having me. Absolutely.
1: We'll talk to you soon. And um, when I need a, a sister, I'll give you a call.
2: Yes, please do. <laughs> Kennedy, Bye, Kennedy. Google. Bye, guys. Bye.
1: Wow. Wow. Lovely, wow. huh? Yeah. What do you think? What do you think, Adam? What do you think? Yeah,
0: she, I, yeah, I just I feel like she has so much ahead of her.
1: Big time, big time.
0: Yeah, she's, she, you know, she, she's done an, a lot in her like formative years, and on Broadway, you know, she's been put in really tough, you know, figured out positions. She's plowed through, and I think, yeah. uh, she, you know, she'll just keep. Climb in that ladder.
1: Yeah, man. Um, I think as like a as a producer and a director and a creative, you want people like Kennedy in your yeah. on that call sheet. People who you know are going to be happy and joy filled, and they're going to be unique and interesting, and obviously a great talent. But there's also something pretty bankable inside. That people look for who are going to be on the road for a year or two
0: or on a We're shoot doing for all months, all that swing stuff to be like, oh you have two God, hours. Oh my God, I couldn't
1: imagine.
0: And and she has done it so many times where it's like, yeah, it was down to the wire, but we got it done and I did it. it. And it was great. Somehow, <laughs> you know, yeah. There are only so many people who can do that.
1: Right, you right. Know? It's a talent. It's it a, really is. It's a,
0: you know, how your, your brain can just see it. Do it in a short amount of time and then not have the, oh my God, there's thousands of people in the audience and it's on Broadway and you just, you do it. It's your job you do it. And she's great at it. You know, not a lot of people can do that. It's very tough, but um, man, what a story. Great what guest.
1: a story indeed. All right, friends and neighbors. Well, thanks for listening to another episode of Before the Break. You can find out more about the show and becoming a working actor at workingactorpro.com. Follow us on Instagram at beforethebreakpod and workingactorpro. Check out Adam's stuff at adamdecarlo.com. Follow him at thatadamdecarlo. Check out my stuff at tommybeardmore.com. You can follow me at I'm Tommy, by the way. Don't forget to hit subscribe, leave a rating, and write a review if you like what you heard. Check back next week for an all-new episode with an all-new guest, Adam.
0: Yep, we got some Awesome, awesome guests coming up. So uh, every Monday, check us out. New episode. Thanks, everybody.
2: You've been listening to Before the Break. The hosts are Tommy Beardmore and Adam DiCarlo. Cover art by Amanda June Boucher. Music by Benjamin Sturley. Before the Break is recorded live from Los Angeles and New York City.